Abba Yahweh, the opportunity that you give to me again, to your grace, to be able to share your word, Father God, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, that I'm a conduit for this, to anyone that has an ear to hear and listen to what's being spoken, to get into your word, to seek your face, to seek your truth, to seek your knowledge, that these seeds are just merely that, Father, seeds of information for those that are listening to be able to go and access your truth, Father God. Abba Yahweh, thank you for this opportunity, this chance, this blessing that you give to me continually. Abba Yahweh, Amma, Ashu Amma, Baraklitos Amma. So, um, interesting study and sharing with uh, with uh, one of my mentors and his sharing with me. And um, interesting because I have shared with you that I believe that Romans 8 is my adoption letter, actually anyone's adoption letter. And in his sharing, his declaration is that Romans 8 may be, and there are other theological uh, students and other members that have gone that way and believe that Romans 8 is probably one of the greatest chapters of the Bible. Why that would be said? Well, Because it talks about our freedom and our and the penalties of sin that are there and real. But as he puts it, and I like the way he said it, it's a revolutionary freedom. And honestly, pretty much everything that we are involved in, true believers and Christians, not the label heads and the self-proclaimed Christians, because those are not true Christians. They offer a false demonstration of the word of God. They don't follow the word of God. They don't demonstrate the word of God. They don't share the word of God. And rarely are they in the word of God. So... Yeah, I have ought with them, and I will leave it at that. But true believers, we live a revolutionary freedom that Jesus Christ, in being the only begotten Son of God that came to this plane of existence as a sacrificial lamb for us, and uh, what he was sharing this morning in that um, that the old law or the laws of Moses as I like to proclaim but they were really as I've shared with you before they were those that he presented because he carried them and he was a delivery guy but the old law was indeed the penalty and carried that penalty of sin But Romans 8 is really, really powerful. And I've shared with you before 
and I'll share with you again. The very first thing that we have in Romans 8, and the very first thing that we find, Romans 8 and chapter 1, the very first stanzas, you may say, of our adoption letter. And uh, as he was sharing, it's the uh, shared from just kept it limited. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's a very powerful and profound statement right there. Very first thing, just sitting out powerful. And what we have to realize that some of these mm, self-proclaimed and the label heads try to get others to believe that they have, they're able to save and bring all this sort of thing, but there is no authority that is given to us for salvation. We provide information we can heal sick. We can bring people for salvation and bring them to salvation, but we can't give salvation. That's not our authority. That authority is through and by the grace of God and through Jesus Christ who died for us. And he's given us authority, but not that. We provide the information and what we do is we chase the ignorance of untruth away. Salvation is by God's grace only and by choice. Remember, God gave us a choice. And if you read John 3, 16, I've shared this with you before, where that pervert tried to twist the word of God around and fit his aptitude and completely got it wrong because he read it out of context. And he said that God is condemning you to hell unless you believe in Jesus. Well, that's not at all what John 3.16 says. And he he was preaching an entire sermon. And yeah, honestly, I, I read about as much, I, and I listened and, and paid attention about as much as I could before I started getting really nauseous. I got very nauseous of listening to this man parading up and down. And what was interesting, I think I shared this with you before, he's going back and forth on the stage, but he, you can see him kind of flipping his, flipping his scarf as he's walking. And um, I don't know if he was trying to keep attention to him and his movement made it, I don't know, flip flapping in the breeze. But let me, I'm going to read John 3.16. And this is... See if you can hear, because this individual was telling those that were listening, hopefully there weren't many, there were just some that were hearing what he was saying, but they weren't listening to what he was saying because what he was saying was full of lies and deceit and false doctrine. So he said he's going to take it upon himself to rewrite the Bible because um, we have been teaching John 3.16 3, incorrectly all this time. 
and that God is pretty basically what he was saying is God is blackmailing us into and but here let me read it John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life so he tried to manipulate that and twist it around but he didn't read it contextually so you have to read John 3, 16 through 21. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. That would be anyone that he came to die for. Anyone in the world that would choose to believe. Gave him that same opportunity. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. It's a free will choice, brothers and sisters. This this perverted individual is twisting and maligning. Remember, I'm going to share with you again, just to remind you that the word perversion does not have anything. It's been made to for people that use it and just throw it out there to have sexual connotation. It has no sexual connotation. The word pervert or perversion is just changing what is meant to be a certain way and mislining it and twisting it and making it into something that it's not or not intended for. So as the promise of God, which is many will know is the rainbow was given as a promise to not flood the earth again. And it's been twisted and maligned and perverted to mean something else and given different meaning to it. And, and again, I'm going to share, I'm going to jump right quick into this and then right back out is that there is a false deity from the Babylonian uh, region, the kingdom, uh, Ishtar, 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 that's kind of hard to pronounce, but Ish, just say Ishtar, okay, and this deity would change um, when it meant to change, it would, I mean, it could change anything, it could change a man to a woman, a woman to a man, it could change uh, a rock into a tree, and, and, and would get people to believe in that way. And, and so they worshiped Ishtar. And um, when Ishtar got ready to change or do things and change minds and get them in the wrong direction, um, her eyes would change into a rainbow. And then she would kind of, like a kaleidoscope, uh, they're kind of hypnotic and that's what she would do. And Ishtar is a deity from hell. Anyway. Enough about Ishtar, we're moving on to the book of Revelation, or Romans, pardon me, the and Romans 8. And he's sharing that there are others that 
because Romans 8 is very powerful mm. and it offers revolutionary ideas that go outside the realm of what uh, the followers of the norm believed and, and understood, but it offers a revolutionary freedom. And when we find in Romans 5.1 and Romans 8.1, um, we can understand some things a little better. It would lead to that. So I'm going to go over here to Romans 5.1 first. And in Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By faith, we are justified through Jesus Christ. And Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What is a spirit? Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well, that there's coming a time when you can worship God anywhere as long as you do so in truth and spirit, because God is spirit. And when you come to him, you worship him in truth and in spirit. And when we see them talking about the spirit like this, talking about the Holy Spirit. We walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit walks with us, guides us, teaches us. And when we walk in that, we have an authority. We have a freedom. Understanding that as true believers, we're under that revolutionary freedom through Jesus Christ our Lord, our King, who came and sacrificed for us. He's our, our Lord, our King, our High Priest, our Advocate. And he took all of our sins and gave us, instead, he gave us freedom. And gave us real freedom, but we have to walk. We have to walk as if we're free. We have to walk as if we're forgiven. And there are so many, oh my goodness. I see many, many, many individuals so downtrodden, so, I, I have an, I have a, I have this idea and I can't get it out of my head because they demonstrate this. It's like when, uh, when Nehemiah went before the king and, and, you know, when he went back and he was, he was saddened because everything, his, his, his fathers and his ancestors and, and the churches and everything where they worship and believe were destroyed in Jerusalem. And when he went before the king as his cupbearer, um, and I shared this with you, that the law didn't allow that he would go in with a sad countenance or that it would be something that would, take uh, 
gladness away from the king and perceiving something was not well with you. And he saw this, but because of the authority that was given of God and because of this king's at the Circe's respected him. And he just asked me, he said, well, what's wrong? And remember, this is where I shared the bullet prayer. So he said, I prayed to God and I answered the king. It was just like that fast, snap, snap, snap. And it was a bullet prayer. He shot that out there. And then he responded to the king. The king didn't punish him. Instead, the, the king and his respect and his caring for him gave him help. He signed him letters so that along the way he could get building material he needed. He had an entourage that would protect him and keep him safe. And they came and assisted and they rebuilt the gates to Jerusalem and they fixed the wall, the, the breaches in the walls that were there and they started rebuilding. And I bring that up and I say that, say this, is that that countenance, you could tell that something was not well. So when you go to the house of God and you, why aren't you walking as if you're forgiven? Why aren't you walking as if you're happy to be there? Why do you look so miserable? I'm telling you right now, I see people that go and I, it, it starts whirling around in my mind. Why are you here? Why are you here? You look so deplorable. You don't look happy to be in the house of God. You're here where you are given by his grace and his mercy, the breath of life to walk and be in that place, to gather and worship him, to praise him and thank him for being but you look so miserable. You look absolutely opposite of what you should be. So I don't know. I pray. And that maybe they see that, but it's important that, and as uh, my mentor was sharing this morning, that you have to walk and act as if you're forgiven. And when we become true believers... As the Bible tells us, there is, therefore, there is now no condemnation. As a child of God, a true believer, and a Christian, a true Christian, not a self-proclaimed, because if you're a label head and a self-proclaimed, that doesn't mean you're saved. That's just you're giving yourself something you don't have and that you don't have the authority for. As a child of God and forgiven, he won't cast you out, always forgives, and he doesn't disown you as his child. I mean, you, you do something, and there's nothing in the Bible that expects us to be perfect. Nothing in the Bible tells us that that'll happen, and it won't happen. But here's the thing. God knows that we are not perfect, God knows that we are weak. In him is our strength. He forgives us. He loves us. He knows that we're broken. He knows that we're scarred. The character of our heart is all that God cares about. If you bring those scars 
and weaknesses and come to him, he loves that. And he will always forgive us as a child. Forgiven, we are free to be heirs of the kingdom of heaven. In the realm of the king, That sounds so, that in itself sounds auspicious. So why don't you act like it? Why are you going to church and you look so doggone miserable? You look like you have a brand new pair of really fine shoes, but they have to be broken in, but they're not yet, but you're going to wear them to get them stretched out, but they're so darn tight. And you're wearing those to church and that your feet ache so bad that you're just miserable. And you're showing that out to everybody out there that you're miserable. Sorry, I don't get it. I like going to church. I like fellowship. I like being in the house of God. I love to worship God. I thank him for the opportunity. I thank him for the opportunity that he's blessed me with this, that I can do this very thing that I'm doing now to be in his business to share his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom to anyone out there that will listen, hear the words, and listen, and then seek the truth in the word of God. And I told you, try my spirit. It's always true. And the things I share, the spirit allows me to do so. So that's given me my validation. I don't need it from anywhere else. I don't need it from you or anybody else. As long as God validates, all the spirit validates, and my Lord Jesus validates. That's my chancellor, the vice chancellor, and the counselor of directions and teaching. So that's where my credentials come from. HSU, Heaven Sent University. He signed him. He tells me that I can do it. So that is where my validation, that's all I care about. As a God says it's okay, I'm going to stay on. And until he tells me I'm done, I'm going to keep on going. The relationship that we share in our freedom is in and through Jesus Christ. As true Christians, remember the meaning. Christian. Kind of has two. Relative. Synonymous. Christian. Of Christ. From Christ. And we have that relationship and we have that because we keep Christ in us. Remember, I've shared this with you. It's God doesn't expect you to be perfect and you can't be. And this is why Jesus Christ came because, well, honestly, as he was sharing this morning, as we were sharing, you all thought it was pretty hard because you had to, you had to provide sacrifice almost on a daily basis because there was something that was amiss. God knows that. God knows that we're broken, we're scarred, we have those things that are going on, but he forgave us. Through Jesus Christ coming and being that sacrifice, 
He atoned for our sins. And we have that because we keep Christ in us. And authority is given to us by him. And without him, there is none. So those of you out there that like to play your little games and be something that you're not, cut it out. And that's okay because I've encountered some of you and I just walk away and and pray because otherwise it would just be confrontational. In Luke 10 and 19, we see that authority that Jesus Christ gave to us. He gave us authority to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions and the power of the enemy himself and come to no harm. That authority is given to us by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That we can rebuke the the minions that operate for Satan. We can send them to scurry. And we can even face down the devil in faith that Jesus Christ is with us. We can just rebuke him and send him behind us. And when we use the name of Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us that if we use that, the devil will flee. Doesn't even want to be around that because of the authority that Jesus has and that authority he shared with us. That authority we have. And there are many that take the guise of being something other than what they are. Just be cautious. Don't be confrontational. Just be cautious. I I don't confront, get confrontational. I just walk away and I just, I let them say whatever they're going to say and let it go. And it's hard because then the devil wants to take and stir it up. Remember, you have authority. You don't have to listen to that. And righteously and truthfully, you don't have to listen to them either. And when they try to get you to do anything that is contrary to what the Bible teaches and the tenets of the Lord God Almighty and the teaching of the Holy Spirit, just walk away. Just walk away. And you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to be agnostic about it. Just simply walk away and okay and walk away. That's it. And by that faith that we have in Jesus Christ, all that we were is gone. And we are his. He's cleansed us. He has set his mantle over us, covered up. being clothed in his righteousness. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you will have individuals that will point at you, oh, you've never changed. You haven't changed. You're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. 
You're holding on to these things that you were. And it happens and there will be those that will do that. And that's unfortunate. And sometimes they will be so bound up by what is in the past or what was in the past that they don't want to see anything new or anything different that they're blinded by anything. Blinded. And they keep themselves separated. That's unfortunate. Further. Verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Make sure that we understand that because some people don't understand what that is. So, so, in terms of Jesus and his crucifixion, are, yeah, it's a good, it's, a, it's appropriate. Our dispute with God, our anger with God, our shaking our fists at God and our enmity with God because while we were yet in enmity with God, Jesus Christ came and was crucified. And if you accept that Jesus Christ did that for you, then you are reconciled to God. And what that means is that you, whatever dispute you had, it's gone. And we're brought into agreement or compatible. And we've been restored to that state through Jesus Christ being crucified. That's what that means, be reconciled. And further, 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not, imp not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, that other thing, what it is, is God is not condemning and pointing his finger and saying, okay, you did this and this and this and this and this. Now, I got you here. Now, Jesus come and he's doing this. And you got to do this because of this and this and this. God doesn't do that. Condemnation and pointing the finger, blame and putting all of that, that comes from the devil. Jesus came and reconciled us unto God. So he's not telling us about what we did wrong. Instead, he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We are reconciled to him. That is forgiven. Those things are no longer relative. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. I've shared this with you before. Why are there so many people that walk around and, and they're so, I gotta go to church, I gotta go out and I gotta witness, I gotta go testify, woe is me, poor, poor, pitiful me. I'm gonna go eat worms. Well, go eat worms because in that pitiful state that you're in, how are you an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven? Oh my goodness gracious. 
Everything is going to be made new. There's not going to be any pollution. There's not going to be any litter. There's not going to be any of this garbage floating around and blowing around in the streets. It's going to be clean. Everything is going to be new and different. And you, as an ambassador, need to be a testimony to that. Do you see ambassadors that are representing, of course, you don't see them much anymore, but you used to see them quite often. I can remember as a kid, and I'd see cars from different places, and they had the little flags on them. Those were ambassadors. They were coming, and they were visiting to share. One of the big things they used to share before uh, all this other, these lies and this pandering and all this other stuff that was going on is that you used to be able to travel a lot more frequently and be able to go to a lot more places and they wanted you to come and visit. So they were speaking highly about their country and what they were representing. So why aren't you doing that about heaven? You're an ambassador Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ did, be ye reconciled to God. Remember, reconciliation. Now you're an ambassador. You are, and remember, you are adopted in to God. You are his creation and, and he wants you to be his child. And he, what does he say? If you become a true believer and a Christian, Truthfully, that you are now an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. Would that not be something to be squawking about? I'd be talking about it. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus came and died. He didn't have any sin, didn't know sin, couldn't sin. That's what I say. Until he who is perfect has come, there is nothing perfect on the face of this plane of existence. Nothing. And he's coming again. We're no longer bound by the laws of sin and death, which were the old laws. But we're no longer bound by that because Jesus came, reconciled us, and he also wrested the keys of death from the devil, the prince of the prince of the earth, the prince of the world, who used to hold them, and he just went and he took them. He said, you don't have these anymore, my authority. And now death is merely a doorway. And we're met before we step through and go to heaven. It's nothing to be feared or dark. And we have, in Christ Jesus, he atoned for all of us. He has given us our way 
our way to God, we have been atoned and we have that doorway. Through him. Remember, Jesus reminds us of this. None come to the Father but through me. And, and we need to remember that. That you need to be saved. And that offer has been made to you to choose to do that thing. And the offer is, it's real. I mean, brothers and sisters, and it's really easy to do. It is really easy to do. It is an easy thing to do. And we each have the ability to come to God. Through Jesus Christ, we talk to God. And I mean, he loves to talk to us. He loves to have conversation with us. And there was something that uh, was shared this morning. And this is what we are. We have atonement through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. And But remember this, God knows that we're not perfect. He knows that we're not perfect. He knows we're scarred. He knows we're wounded. Um, and he knows that, that that's in us. But he wants that character of our heart is what he desires. So that thing that, that my, uh, my brother was sharing, and it's this poem that he kind of wrote. I think I shared this before some time ago, but... I think I'm going to get it right this time because I was paying attention. <laughs> Two natures beat within my breast. The one I love, the other beat within my breast. The one I love, the other I detest. One I love, one I hate. The one I feed will dominate. So, are you feeding that darkness? Are you feeding that attitude? Are you feeding resentment? Are you feeding argumentative nature? Or are you feeding kindness, compassion, love, light? You're reflecting that light. So, which one are you feeding? The law of the spirit allows that we can be above the pulling of the sinful flesh and living with the spirit, calling on that strength. Because remember, God knows this, and this is what it tells us in the Bible. We are weak, but in him we are strong. Remember, Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians that through him, through Christ all things are possible. Philippians 4, I believe, is where that would be. I'm going to flip over there right quick. Bear with me, please. All things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. Up, oh, right there. Philippians 
I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And he does. The Holy Spirit walks with us all the time and guides us. So rather than walking around with this frumpy look on your face and walking around like you're just some, I don't know what, what the thought is. I, I can't figure it out. But when I see them and they're they're in church to fellowship and worship God, and pray, but they look so miserable. Why are you so miserable? Goodness gracious. Jesus Christ came and died for you. First of all, the only begotten Son of God. That should be enough to, to be elated about. But you walk around, shuffling your feet, head down, frowning, frumpy. You know, yeah, things are... Brother and sister, I'm broken. My life is, is broken. I'm, I fell, I got injured. I was in the hospital for a week. I had a great big old knot in my forehead. And my goodness, then my eye blackened up. I didn't even know that was going to happen. But I had this huge knot in my head. And it looked like a softball. And it was all purple. It was pretty shag nasty. And then I got a black eye. I'm not even sure how that happened. But my two dogs, they were sitting there when I opened my eyes and looked over. And I'm quite certain if they had... Uh, opposable thumbs and they had the ability they would have picked me up and helped me back up but I don't even know how I got down there but anyway I fell I'm older I'm broken but here's the thing <clears throat> I'm not done I'm not done until God tells me I'm done God has blessed me mightily I sit here and I'm able to be in my father's business I can sit here and practice the presence of God which is my study book for my class coming up. I'm very eager for that. <clears throat> and I get that, and I love that. Again, I'm going to share with you that uh, uh, Brother Labak, Frank Labak, shared that, and he calls it the hearness of God. <clears throat> and I love that because God is here. And there's sometimes when he's here and he just, he loves what I'm sharing or loves what I'm doing. And then he puts his arms around me. And as soon as he does that, I just, I, it just all melts. I can't, <clears throat> because of the overwhelming love that now comes out, just like when, when Jesus felt the virtue go out of him in the street by the woman who was unclean, clean, with the uh, issue of blood for so long and she was homeless and broke because she had to pay the doctors so much for most of her life. And you think that everything now, there's no relevance to what happened in the Bible or there's no relevance now, excuse me. You had homeless people, you had people that were being ripped off by Big Pharma then as they do now. What do you mean it needs to be rewritten because it's not relevant to our day and age? Of course it is. Everything that was happening then is happening now, only in a different way because of the technology and the so-called advancements that we have made. But Jesus felt that virtue leave him when she touched the hem of his garment and her faith was just seeking that from him and it went out of him into her and healed her because of her faith. He could feel that. And of course, the disciples totally misunderstood, didn't even get what he was talking about. 
And quite honestly, I can, it is no wonder to me that Jesus often left and went off by himself to pray. And of course, then you had Peter and some of the others, they wanted to go and be his guards. And he said, no, I need to go be by myself with God. We need time to be on our own with God. And when he comes with me here and the hearness of God, and then he puts his arms around me, that love just flows out of him into me. And then I start to melt. I can't help but to be that. Pretty overwhelming. And God knows that we have weakness. And we have to remember that in our weaknesses is strength. And there are many that practice self-condemnation. And that's pandered on us by the devil. And you have to remember this, that the devil is a liar. And remember to live like we're forgiven. Live forgiven. And follow after Jesus Christ for his love, not in a sense of obligation. Because if you follow in a sense of obligation, that's not true freedom. And may lead to resentment, which is not allowing for spiritual growth. And we're going to jump over here to... John 8. Actually, there's more in, in John 8 that should be shared. And I think I'm going to keep that marker in there because I'm going to do so at another time. But this is talking about, I'm just going to, I'm going to read and get as much through there as I can. It's important. And Jesus is trying to explain to them the truth and and they're questioning and of who he is and all these things that are going on. And when they keep asking him, this is what I've shared with you, is the redundancy of the pharisaical tyrants that continually ask him the same question. And who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And Jesus tells him in verse 25, Then say unto them, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. You can almost hear the... Well, I can, because I'm I'm doing it. But you can almost feel the the sense of, of the desire for Jesus to be, Oh, here we go again. It's the same thing I told you the first time he asked me, but he didn't say that. He was polite to them. Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. And they always were trying to say and, and argue with him because they claimed that he was a blasphemer, that he came from the devil. And when he tried to tell them that that wasn't so, As we see in verse 28, 
Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed him, or believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. These are, now you have the unbelievers that are mixed with him. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Except they forget that when they were in bondage in Egypt, see some of these youngsters, they, those are the millennials in that day. See, they had them in that day too. It's not just relevant to this time. They didn't remember the past history. They don't remember when they were in bondage in Egypt. Says so that we were not in bondage to any man. Oh yeah, they were. And when Babylon, when Babylon conquered and they were in bondage for 70 years and they were in bondage to their own mistrust of God and their own lack of faith in God that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Oh yeah. So anyway, Let's continue. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin in the servant is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. So these individuals are self-righteous and they're blind and they claim things that were not theirs to claim. And here's the important, John eight thirty-six. This is how we have to leave. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So why are you walking around like you're in bondage? Why are you not walking like you're forgiven? Why are you not walking as if you're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven? Goodness gracious. I'm sorry. I find it difficult to understand. Still. I mean, I I find it difficult to understand why. I mean, I, I get what the problem is because that's the nature of this plane of existence that we're on. Further in verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father and ye do that which ye have seen with your father they answered and said unto him abraham is our father jesus saith unto them if you were abraham's children ye would do the works of abraham but now ye seek to kill me a man that hath told you the truth which i have heard of god this did not abraham ye do the deeds of your father then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, ye would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye, do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are your Father, 
ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convicted me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then, of course, they answered and had a response. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews to him, now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And thou sayest that a man keep my words. He shall never taste of death. And thou art greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead. Who makest thyself? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. But I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not 50 years old and hast thou seen Abraham. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. That's important right there. Remember that. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They couldn't find him. Because what did they do? Oh, they didn't like being called liars and all that. But what I shared with you is that's important. What did he tell them before Abraham? I am. And that's important because we are told and shared, John shared with us in, in John 1, that Jesus is a word. And the word was with God, word was in God, was God, and came from God, and was always there in the beginning. So Jesus Christ is just letting them know and they totally got upset and they wanted to pick up rocks and stone him because he spoke the truth. But brothers and sisters, remember this, that speaking the truth is of import, always of import, always the truth. God's truth, his knowledge and his wisdom is what I share. Be blessed here in my prayers going out and coming in.